You've heard of Grammarly, and you might think it's a fancy spell check, but people on your team have been using it and loving it for years because it does way more than you realize. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that works seamlessly across apps and websites and can write an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. When every word your team writes is clear, concise and on brand, companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts. Radio. News. From the heart of where innovation, money, and power collide in Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Caroline Hyde and Ed Ludlow. I'm Caroline Hyde of Bloomberg's World Headquarters in New York. This is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up, NVIDIA, it tops $2 trillion in market value, becoming the world's fourth most valuable company. Full coverage ahead. Plus, we'll break down Reddit's filing to go public, from its AI ambitions to its largest shareholders. And Sam Altman, he is omnipresent. We've got you covered. And Carvana, shares pop by the most in seven months after the used car retailer defied challenges of higher interest rates and inflation to actually post well, a kind of solid end to 2023. We sit down with the company's CEO. Meanwhile, not all earnings are glorious. And Mercado Libre manages to underperform. We're off by 13%, one of the worst performers on the day, not to mention Warner Brothers, which we'll be digging into a little bit later. But first, let's just peel back all of these narratives when it comes to earnings, when it comes to the AI boom, and really decide whether there's more legs to run on in terms of this market. Erica Claren, who says with us, portfolio manager for PGM Jenison Technology Fund. Her read on tech, on markets, on NVIDIA, of course. I mean, we look at the $1.97 trillion market capitalization. We're clawing our way to the $2 trillion mark, Erica. And I'm interested as to whether you think the hype has reality underneath it and ultimately whether we will see a leg higher or whether we'll see a broadening at last in terms of the AI love. Well, to answer your question, I think yes to both. You know, Jenison has always had a very long-term outlook on trying to dimension what these opportunities are. We've always been very, very positive. We were very early in investing in NVIDIA back in 2016, and all of our expectations, even as ambitious as they were, have been absolutely blown out of the water to the upside. <laughs> I mean, Jensen is an operator. He manages to guide and then beat, and guide and beat each time, and still managed to be a global global business. And I think that's sort of what's been extraordinary, that this is a company that is finding working with China more difficult, largely because of US-Chinese geopolitics. How much do you have to factor that into some of these big tech names? Well, certainly the political landscape right now is much more challenging for companies as they have restrictions in terms of where they can sell, what they can sell into China. Mm. China had risen to about 20% of NVIDIA's data center revenue that contracted down to 5% in the 
most recent quarter. But what we're seeing is for companies like NVIDIA, they've been very nimble, very innovative mm. in terms of coming out with products that comply with all the export laws. Those will start to ship later this year. We believe at Jenison that there's a lot of pent-up demand from those Chinese customers that will contribute to the company's overall performance in the second half. Let's broaden out from NVIDIA, therefore. Is there room, market share, ability, and capability for the likes of AMD and some of the other rivals in the space? Should we look to other chip makers? Our view is yes. At Jenison, we see that NVIDIA, in its own process of innovation, has opened up the doors of opportunity for many other companies, from compute companies, as you mentioned, like Advanced Micro Devices and Broadcom, which we own in size, to storage companies, to networking companies, and of course to software companies that are able to harness this incredible compute power to deliver software that enables tremendous gains in productivity and innovation. When, just going back to NVIDIA for a moment, is there anything that makes you give pause? A $2 trillion market valuation, an issue of, of, of China, or indeed of just like running out of road of exuberance, or really do you have to go back to, well, forward PE ratios that still make the company look really rather attractive and not that expensive? Well, what we try to do at Jenison is really take a longer-term view. We've actually written some white papers that are on our website about this, but looking out over the entire TAM of the installed base of infrastructure, we see that as a $1 trillion opportunity today, but the very innovation that NVIDIA and others are bringing to the table is expanding that TAM, and we're really only maybe 10 15% penetrated at this point. So we see years of opportunity ahead for further penetration of those markets further updating to this brand new way of, of compute, which is known as parallel processism. Where else in the stack then? Because there is, if you talk to a, the VC community, yes, they're looking at the underlying compute and, and the large language models, but they're also looking at the applications and the app layer to AI. But where are you looking from an industry perspective at where artificial intelligence can bring real opportunities for productivity, basically? Well, you know, there are, of course, the obvious places that people talk about, the big hyperscalers being able to recommend with much more accuracy and targets. Uh, companies like Amazon, Google, using these tools to improve their recommenders. Um, however, one of the, I guess, two big new opportunities that have emerged in the market unexpectedly in 2023 and are accelerating into 2024, one would be the healthcare industry, mm -hmm. where companies are using this technology for much faster drug development times. And then also we've seen an extraordinary interest in sovereigns. Company, countries coming in saying, we want our own version of ChatGBT in our own native language. They have their own sets of concerns with regards to oversight that they can then control and they are looking for U.S. counterparts to enable them to bring these technologies to the market. How about the cyber angle of all of this? Because it felt like that was a real tailwind for cyber stocks as well. And then you get the earnings of Palo Alto Networks and everyone's worried that they're not going to factor in as quickly as people had anticipated. Are there any parts of the technology space that you think is overdone or the valuations aren't attractive right now? Well, you know, what we're seeing at Jenison is a real... Uh, tale of haves and have-nots. Mm. Those companies that are bringing technologies to the table that are truly disrupting the industries that they are in, and those companies that may be facing challenges over the longer period, 
particularly with regards to pricing. People talk about, for example, as you mentioned, cybersecurity. There's so many different flavors of where cybersecurity exists, whether it's in the end market in your phone or your computer, whether it's in your enterprise, or even whether it's um, with, within the internet. So one really has to be very careful in looking at the various players, where they exist, whether or not they have pricing power, and the sustainability of that pricing power over a longer period of time. Is your focus about the US being the outperformer here when it comes to tech. There's been a lot of ongoing narrative as to whether China's ahead with AI or US, and it feels as though the US still is. But where is the, the global opportunity? Because as we referenced at the top of the show, like European stocks are a record high on the back of this. Japanese stocks managed to go on a record high, and all of us are factoring in AI because of that. I think that the answer to this question is that the predominance of the opportunities that we see are in the United States. However, there are incredible opportunities overseas as well. Mm. For example, ASM lithography mm. has a dominating position in the area of lithography. This is an essential, you cannot get around it in using this tool to make the next generation of semiconductors as well as the older generation of semiconductors. This company is an incredibly innovative company, which is reflected in its margin profile, gross profit margins, operating margins, free cash flow margins. Um, and so we do find opportunities overseas as well, but the majority of the innovation that we're seeing in, is in the United States today. It's just been fantastic having your voice, your expertise on the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Come back, have a wonderful weekend. Erica Clow, she's Portfolio Manager for the P. Jim Jennison Technology Fund, really taking us through all the big hitters of the week. Meanwhile, coming up, well, another big hitter, which eventually might become public, Reddit. It's filing for its IPO. All the details on this company that's long been waiting to get into the public markets. Meanwhile, let's go to those public markets. Check in on what's happening with Walmart, up six-tenths of a percent. We're basically seeing flat, though, on the company that it's looking looking to be acquiring at 10 spot 99 Vizio Holdings. Of course, Walmart's acquisition of Vizio is a warning bell, according to Massachusetts Democrat Elizabeth Warren. She's putting this in a post on social media platform X. In fact, regulators should scrutinize this merger, and they will potentially be looking as to whether it will extend Walmart's dominance, potentially threaten competition, she says. Remember, Walmart also gained on some strong results earlier in the week. This is Bloomberg Technology. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. 
our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. talk about potential IPOs, San Francisco-based social media company Reddit. It has publicly filed for that IPO, long awaited. And of course, it's going to be a big test for VC-backed tech IPOs for the year. Here to break down what we now know from the S1 filing, Bloomberg's Katie Roof, who you've been tracking this closely, waiting with bated breath. And we have ultimately got to grips with the fact that this company is not yet profitable. That's true. That's right. They reported they have over $800 million in annual revenue, but they are not profitable. They lost less than $100 million last year. Their, their, rev, uh, their losses are shrinking and their revenue is growing, but um, not profitable. They are hoping that this new AI partnership is going to be what excites Wall Street. Uh, they yeah. have a partnership with, with Google, and they're thinking that this is the time to announce that you know this Google partnership that's going to scrape some of their data from Reddit um, will excite. And we'll see whether, of course, that extends to other large language models, most notably OpenAI, where we understand now that Sal Maltman, who is a temporary CEO for the company, is, of course, a big shareholder. But, Katie, remind us who is going to be winning. Who is, well, whether or not they win, remember, this is kind of a down round compared to its last money in from VCs at a 10 billion valuation. But are we anticipating some good liquidity events for some key VC names out there? Well, so Bloomberg has reported that they might just be valued about $5 billion when they go public, although it remains to be seen because a lot of this just gets decided the night before based on how uh, the market is trading. Um, they have, you know, it's interesting because they've been around since 2005, so some of their early shareholders are no longer uh, major investors. Um, you know, Condé Nast, actually, they've, they've been a major shareholder in Reddit, and so this has been a long time um, coming for their investment, but you look at um, some of the early names, like a founder, Alexis Ohanian, he wasn't mm -hmm. even on the prospectus. Uh, he did not make the cut for a 5% shareholder, which is what it's required to see in the filing. So, um, you know, at this point, since Reddit's been around 19 years, I would imagine a lot of the original shareholders actually sold shares on the secondary markets and um, got some early liquidity before the actual liquidity event. Advanced Magazine publishes, as you say, the, the Newhouse family behind Conde Nast and plenty of other publishing set to be well, a key earner in this particular event. We thank you, Katie Roof, for just breaking down the intricacies of what's going on. Let's get into, well, that secondary market, how active it is, how positive it is on Reddit, getting to any sort of anywhere near a $5 billion valuation. We've got Brianne Lynch with us, head of Market Insight at Equity Zen, which connects shareholders of private companies with investors seeking alternative investments. And just how active has Reddit been in the secondary market? 
Retta has definitely been a popular name in the secondary market over the years. As Katie said, this is a 19-year-old company, so there has been a lot of demand uh, for liquidity from early shareholders um, over time. We, you know, we know they did a tender offer in 2021, so I think that helped alleviate maybe some of that liquidity need. But I think there's still a lot of demand for liquidity that will come, you know, via the IPO. But what we've seen from, you know trades that have been reported recently in the secondary market is about a four and a half or $4.8 billion valuation. So the fact that they're eyeing a $5 billion valuation kind of makes sense since companies tend to trade at a discount in the private markets where you don't have that same liquidity that you do in the public markets. Who, if you can garner this at all from the activity in the secondary market, is this going to be a retail name given, well, Reddit became synonymous with meme stock investing because of Wall Street bets. Is it more likely to be bought by a retail investor? Will institutional players be interested in a company that isn't yet posting profits? I think they're really betting on there being retail interest in this name or, you know, in their S1, they even say as a risk factor, the fact that there is retail interest or they expect retail interest is going to cause volatility in the stock. The fact that they are issuing shares to 75,000 power users or allowing those users to buy into the IPO will also create some volatility since there's no lockup to those shares. They're going to allow those shares to trade freely. So I think they're expecting a lot of retail activity, which is likely to increase the volatility of the stock, especially in its early days. From an institutional investor perspective, I think you're right. You know, we've seen over time that institutions are less interested in these unprofitable companies. And Reddit is interesting because while they are a 19-year-old business, they really didn't start monetizing until 2018. Mm. So their monetization engine is relatively young and unproven and advertising is 98% of that engine now. And there are opportunities for them um, on the data licensing front. Um, as Katie mentioned, the Google partnership they talked about this week. Uh, but a lot of that is uh, very forward looking and unproven. So I'm curious to see how institutions, you know, take that into account. And Steve Huffman, having been there at its birth in 2005, still driving that new iteration of Reddit. And where is the risk factor in cozying up with large language model makers, with the big tech firms that want to scrape the data? Yeah, I think, I mean, we've heard this from the Reddit community that there has been some pushback about this and concern, um, but it really is these human conversations that are needed to uh, train these models. And Reddit has, you know, billions of posts and comments on its platform that are the exact types of posts and comments that will help train those models. So uh, I think there could be a little backlash from users on the platform, um, but it is a huge monetization opportunity. Uh, at the $60 million contract they're talking about with Google, that only makes up about 7.5% of their current revenue. But if this is something that they can replicate with others, it could become a much more sizable part of their business. But an interesting thing that they do note is that these language learning models could also hinder their business. So if people go to ChatGBT instead of Reddit to ask whatever question they'd ask on Reddit, Reddit may lose daily active users and that's really going to hurt their ad revenue in the end. So it's a double-edged sword. Well said. Brianna, I'm interested in that advertising focus. Ultimately, when analysts go out there and try to decide who's Reddit's competitors are, are they immediately going to be looking to 
Alphabet to Meta to other social media platforms? I think those are the obvious, um, you know, competitors in the space. And this market has gotten a lot more competitive as ad dollars have been pulled back. What Reddit is really trying to sell investors on is the fact that they can allow advertisers to reach a much more niche target audience. So, you know, you're a sleeping bag manufacturer. You want to talk to people who are camping. We have a conversation um, Mm -hmm. of thousands of people who are specifically talking about this and their ability to actually convert people. From their own research, they've shown that 61% of their users say they're more likely to trust an ad that comes from Reddit. So if that can be proven uh, in the clicks and the impressions that these ads get, They may have a bit of an edge, even though their audience is much smaller than these other platforms. But I think we're still early in proving that out. Trying to be proving out the niche factor and whether that's a draw. Brianne Lynch, really great to catch up with you. Thank you. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop. Customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Time now for Talking Tech First Up. GM's autonomous driving unit, Cruise, is nearing the resumption of its robo-taxi testing after the grounding of its fleet last year. Now, according to sources, Cruise is in talks with several metro areas, Houston, Dallas, for example, about test driving on public roads with safety drivers. Now, before the suspension of the operations, the company had hundreds of cars in San Francisco and smaller numbers across Austin, Houston and Phoenix. Meanwhile, the investment firm that manages part of the fortune of Alibaba chairman Joe Tsai, Blue Pool it's called, is sold over 34 million Blue Owl shares, or 83% of its remaining holdings in that alternative asset giant. Now, the shares would have been worth about $460 million in volume-weighted average price of the stock over the last three months. 
Now let's turn our attention to some other shares that are being hit at the moment. Warner Brothers Discovery, we were just looking at it before the break. Media company reporting its fourth quarter revenue. Profits, they fell short of estimates and we're seeing the stock at a record low. Chris Palmieri joins us now on basically like weakness in linear television, weakness in the advertising spend. I mean, was there any area that was good? I guess you could say things weren't that bad in their direct-to-consumer, the streaming business. Uh, it was unprofitable, but for the full year, it was profitable. And uh, the losses were much lower in the fourth quarter, and subscribers were a little bit better than they hoped, but not dramatic growth. Actually, lost subscribers in domestically uh, and still way behind Netflix and Disney in that department. So. And, and all of this just highlights the dire straits that basically the entire ecosystem finds itself in. We are understanding there's going to be M&A, there's going to be consolidation, because a lot of these companies are struggling with the same sort of headwinds, right? Yeah, and Warner Brothers CEO David Zaslav is pretty candid on the call. He said this really does illustrate all the challenges we're facing. I mean, TV, traditional TV advertising down in double digits, and, uh, the, you know, the strikes really hurt them, it turns out. Uh, last year, actors and, and writers being out of not working and, and so that studio business was down you know warner brothers had a big push in december releasing three big movies at once it was kind of bold uh yeah. revenues theatrically were up but profits were down aquaman being the biggest disappointment there so there's a lot of they talked about on the call the superhero fatigue sort of so um there's a lot of work to be done in these traditional media companies sure is and i know you'll be across it chris palmari we really appreciate it what if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.
Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Caroline Hyde in New York. Let's focus in on a company that eventually will have its market capitalization for all to see on the public markets. Reddit, of course, company filing publicly for its IPO just yesterday after the bell. One name in the filing stood out. He's everywhere. OpenAI CEO Sam Altman was listed one of the company's major shareholders. Joining us now is Bloomberg's Ryan Gould. And we shouldn't be surprised. He was a, for eight whole days the interim CEO of this company. He, of course, was there at the there at the Y Combinator alongside the founders of Reddit back in 2000s, early 2000s. But why does he hold so much of the stock? Like, who else is also holding a lot of the stock here? Well, I mean, you know, he led their, led their Series B at $50 million in 2014. Um, you know, he's sitting alongside uh, the Advanced Magazine Publishers entity that is sort of the new house family, you know, mm. the big Condé Nast. Uh, family that owns around 34% uh, of the stock there. Um, you know, the Newhouse family sort of bought Reddit in 2006, then spun it out in 2011. Um, so, you know, there's still a lot of carry. But I think, Caroline, what's interesting is that you know, this is kind of an IPO for the moment. It has everything. It has AI, it has Sam Altman, it has advertising, it's reckoning with, you know, large language models and what it means for partnerships with, such, with Google and such. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really an IPO for the moment. I would say. And an IPO that comes at a time where markets are at record or near record highs. We've had just the S&P eclipse a new one. We've just had, you know, European stock markets at a record high, Japanese stock markets at a record high. What do you think the narrative has to be to ensure that we don't question the market cap too much? We're hearing from sources, what about a $5 billion level for Reddit? But that's a huge markdown from where it recently, well, not recently, but a few years ago raised money. It is. It's a good point. And I think much of the sort of talk so far, you know, on the testing, uh, testing the waters meetings has been around, you know, let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. Let's be realistic. Uh, this is probably, you know, the first large venture capital back tech IPO that we've had in a while. Obviously, Clavio happened last year, but this is kind of a different breed. Um, it's had a very story journey. And so I think, you know, the banks, investors are sort of coming together and saying, well, you know, let's not really push this too hard let's not end up in a situation where we feel like you know we've bitten off more we can more than we can chew um, and I think that kind of reflects in how reddit's thinking about it as well it kind of wants to get past this history that it's had for the past two years of being a company that's just waiting and waiting and waiting to go public um, and it wants to get on with being a public company Steve Huffman himself wants to get on with being a public CEO having helped birthed it back in 2005 and still now he is the current CEO Ryan Gould great to catch up with him as IPO markets get a little bit more exciting now turning from IPOs to the moon to space more broadly American made lander it touched down on the moon for the first time since the Apollo era and it happened last night ending a string of what have been pretty obvious failures and making it the first private spacecraft to ever reach the lunar surface intact the lander built by Houston-based Intuitive Machines, reached the moon at 6.23 p.m. New York time on Thursday. Here's what NASA Administrator Bill Nelson had to say about the feat. A commercial lander named Odysseus, powered by a company called Intuitive Machines, launched upon a SpaceX rocket carrying a bounty of NASA scientific instruments and bearing the dream of a new adventure here to talk us through that dream of a new adventure is Bloomberg's Lauren Grush. And Lauren, this shows us not just the dream, but the reality of the way in which NASA is now working. It is turning to private companies and not just SpaceX anymore, but more startups, more other companies to help it basically make space a bit cheaper. 
Right. It's, it's, you know, NASA does want to go back to the moon, but they want to go back to the moon in a very different way where they bring many, plenty of companies with them. And this was such a great example of kind of this new paradigm shift that NASA is working with. This was a private company. I mean, it was a publicly traded company, but a private sector entity landing on the moon. They did receive some development funding from NASA, a little less than $118 million. But they also had to raise their own capital in order to get the rest of the funding they needed to to make this mission work. We now see a market cap of more than a billion for intuitive machines, and we've seen it rise about $226 million on the day. We're up 28%. Where does this all point us next? What are we anticipating that is achieved after this? We understand about, well, South Pole, more of the moon, but what are the next iterations of the space economy? Right. So there are really two goals with this mission. One, you mentioned this was uh, the first mission to land closest to the South Pole of the moon. India also landed near the South Pole. But the South Pole is an enticing place for NASA because it's thought to have water ice. And so they are curious to see if we can go there to mine that water ice. It's where NASA hopes to land future astronauts uh, when they do return to the moon. But the goal is also to spur a commercial lunar economy. So the idea is that NASA wanted to trigger the development of this commercial lander so that the company could have a way to transport NASA payloads, but then also in turn use that lander to create a no, their own business transporting experiments and payloads to the moon. So that lander um, had NASA payloads on it, but it also had cus commercial customer payloads on it. So the idea is to see, you know, can that be a sustainable business moving forward? And who knows what... Jeff Koons' art piece is going to be doing rolling around on the moon after this, Lauren. But who are the other names out there? We, we put so much of our exuberance around the space economy on SpaceX, of course, still a private company. We now look at intuitive machines entering our lexicon. But who else has been out there making moves and sometimes failing at that? Right. So another company kind of considered Intuitive Machines' rival was a company called Astrobotic. They actually launched, launched their lander first. They were another partner with NASA through the same program that Intuitive Machines was a partner with. They launched in January, but unfortunately they suffered an engine failure right after getting to space and it ultimately precluded their chances of actually attempting to, to touch down on the moon. And they ended up bringing back that lander to Earth and uh, disposing it in the atmosphere. But they're going to try again. Uh, they have another mission lined up. Intuitive Machines has more missions lined up. There's another company, Firefly, Firefly Aerospace, that is also partnering with NASA. So NASA is looking to, you know, dole out funding to those that really do want to make a business going to the moon. There are plenty of companies that are, are interested. And, you know, as this return to the moon gets more mature, I feel like there's going to be even more opportunities for companies to get into the game. And Lauren Grush, we're going to turn to you in those moments. We thank you so much for talking us through, well, really what it was meant by yesterday's landing. Meanwhile, coming up, we'll have all the details into how disputes within Klarna, that's of course the fintech over in Europe, has spilled over into a high-profile VC drama. It's coming up next. Meanwhile, talking of drama, unfortunately, there is some among Rivian shares. Check this out in terms of a long-term share price chart of Rivian. Down almost 90%. Of course, this on the back of some lackluster earnings that were just posted after the bell on Wednesday and yesterday the stock fell hard as they said they're going to be and letting go of some staff as well. From New York, this is Bloomberg Technology. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? 
Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise, and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. We're going to get into a bit of a VC drama brewing at the moment. Sequoia Capital has named a new board member for fintech Klarna Bank. Now, this is an effort to quell a conflict between... Well, the VC firm, its former partner, Michael Moritz, and actually, well, issues between two of the founders of Klarna, too. Here to help break it all down, kind of extraordinary story, Bloomberg's Sarah McBride. So what's going on here? What was the spark of the issue that's occurred with Klarna? Uh, Caroline, it is such a mess. So what happened is a little bit unclear, but it seems that there was some sort of dispute at Klarna about a governance or control issue. And uh, Sequoia Capital's partner, who was on the board, Matt Miller, uh, saw things one way. And Michael Moritz, a legendary VC who was until very recently a partner at Sequoia, saw it another way. And the upshot is that Michael Moritz still has his board seat. He now represents a related uh, firm called Sequoia Heritage. And Matthew Miller, the board member from Sequoia Capital, is out. I know that's a little head spinning, but hopefully it makes a bit of sense. And so the drama seems to have unfolded between Sebastian Victor, the the two co-founders, people sort of taking sides. How often or not does this sort of drama occur, Sarah? It feels like it's relatively rare, but Uh, of course when money's involved, things do get dramatic. Right. So Klarna is doing um, very well. It had some hiccups, as many companies did over the past couple of years. But basically, it's a very richly valued company that should be headed for an IPO at some point. 
And when this type of drama unfolds, it's usually behind the scenes. Whatever disagreements happen at the board level rarely make it um, beyond those doors. And then when they do, to have two partners affiliated so closely with one firm have a dispute like this is, is almost unheard of. So people are surprised it happened, but more than anything, they're surprised at how word of it became so public. And the CEO ended up having to fly to Silicon Valley to make amends and smooth things over with Sequoia. Sequoia has had to appoint a new board member. It's all gotten unusually messy. And all of the time where Sequoia itself is transitioning and having new leadership and spinning from its China division, there is a whole host of stories going on on your side of the right. world right now. Sarah McBride, we're so pleased that you were able to bring it to us, the inside track. Thank you. Now let's stick with VC, maybe a slightly calmer part of it at the moment. And we're pleased to welcome Jet Fine on to the show for VC Spotlight. Let's actually talk about the investments being made at the moment. Let's talk about the bread and butter of what you're up to at Headline Ventures. It is wonderful to have you with us, Jet. And what I've heard time and time again, and interestingly quite a lot this week at, at a conference, was that consumer tech is dead. Don't go anywhere near it. That was all 2010 and onwards. And for now, we've all got to be in healthcare and climate tech and, and AI, of course. But you don't think that's the case? Well, thanks, Caroline. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, as you mentioned, I'm a partner at Headline, and we are a tech-enabled global venture capital firm where I focus on consumer-oriented investments, among other things. And we've had the good fortune over the years to lead consumer investments like uh, GoPuff, Bumble, Axios, The Real Real, Farfetch, among others. And, and listen, you're exactly right. You know, to answer your question, I think you have to look behind the front page here a little um, uh, past the rumor mill. You know, if you look at Fang, for example, Fang is all consumer. In fact, the most valuable companies in the world are, are, uh, are consumer companies. Apple, Amazon, Tesla, Snap, Facebook, of course, right? And, you know, going forward, um, we think at Headline that that will continue to be the case, particularly given this generational uh, technology shift with, with AI. Let's get more specific then, because you mentioned Tesla and Snap, but both have faced significant headwinds to their own share prices and headwinds to ultimately consumer demand for some of their products at the moment and stymieing growth. When you're looking at some of the exits that you've had, I mean, really notable companies, but Farfetch has had a terrible time of it and ultimately sort of being bought out of bankruptcy. E-commerce maybe a hard place to be? Where is the place to be when you want to have exposure to a consumer that is still out there and is still buying some stuff? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great point. Listen, consumer companies that have historically relied on paid customer acquisition are facing real headwinds. And so, you know, what we're quite excited about at Headline is uh, the opportunity to partner with companies that have real distribution advantages. And, and what I mean by that are companies that leverage the benefits of community, content, celebrity, or creators. And we're seeing more and more of those companies come up, of course, in the world of, 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 of TikTok, uh, Timu, uh, Shein, uh, and other companies that leverage those distribution advantages beyond, uh, beyond solely paid acquisitions. So am I anticipating more celebrity beauty brands? Is that, is that the way that we're going to be sort of <laughs> seeing this come to life? 
<laughs> well, certainly, uh, certainly there will be more. Absolutely, I think that's one way that companies can uh, find real distribution is l utilizing celebrity creators and content and community. Well, Jet. We'll see what companies you're backing, which ones manage to find that consumer fit and what celebrities are currently bringing things to the market. Headline Ventures General Partner, Jet Fine, really great to catch up with you. Truly global perspective, this company is everywhere in Latin America, Asia and Europe. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Checking on other earnings today, Carvana shares absolutely rocketing. The company reported profits that surpassed estimates, managing to avoid headwinds from, well, somewhat circumvent and reduce some of those headwinds from high interest rates from inflation. Joining us now for more on that earnings report, CEO, founder, Annie Garcia, and 31% higher. And you have had to, like many in the private market and the public market suddenly shift gears from growth at all costs to profits at all costs. What have you been doing to be able to prove yourself in this recent report? So I, I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you start to see results come through pretty quickly, but there's a lot of work that goes in for a long time before. And so I think, you know, 2022, like it was for so many companies, was a time where the winds shifted pretty quickly uh, for us and for everyone else. And I think the team came together. We came up with a plan that uh, we thought really kind of uh, made sense in that moment with the new pressures that were out there in the world. And I, I think the team has just executed incredibly well over the last two years. And we're starting to see that now. I, I think the results that we just reported and the results that we see coming in the future 
are something that we're extremely excited about. Uh, and it is the result of the team coming together and doing incredible work. And so thank you to the team. Just cannot thank you enough for everything you've done. And some of the analysts, like William Blair analyst, Sharon, really talking about the steep increases in profits and, and the return to unit growth. But some more cynical people out there would say, look, there's 30% uptick in the share prices because it's just squeezing out some of the shorts and you were a heavily shorted name. What do you say to those people who are still standing by betting against your company? Uh, well, I, I think there's room in the world for shorts. And I think, uh, you know, it's OK. Skepticism is helpful. It creates pressure. I think there was a uh, one of the ancient, uh, I believe, Greek philosophers that haters going to hate, players going to play. But me, I'm just going to shake, 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 shake it off, shake it off. I believe that may have been Aristotle. <laughs> that may have been. It could have been Plato, too. I could be wrong. Well, she has a way with words. I will give her that. <laughs> um, I'm interested, though, Ed Ernie, in more seriously, like the debt market. That's been a tough space. And we are, of course, as Bloomberg, focused on equity markets, but also focused on bonds in particular. How are you thinking about, well, not having to restructure once again? How are you thinking about paying down debt? I think, you know, listen, the most important thing that we do as a company is we deliver great experiences to customers and we grow into this huge opportunity that we have. Uh, I think it was really hard from the perspective of a year ago to see the incredible gains that the team has made over the last year. And I think that those gains were possible because the offering that we give to customers is unique. The business that we've built is very hard to replicate. Uh, and the team that we've assembled is incredible. And so I think our job now is to take advantage of those things and just keep moving forward. And I think the rest will take care of itself. You talk about that team. And I know as a business leader, it's incredibly hard to have to think about how you scale back or reduce headcount. But is that something you're having to think about into the future as the team where you want it? The team's in a great spot. Uh, I think, um, you know, we, like I said, 2022 was a tough time for us, it, like it was for so many companies. We had to make adjustments. The team's in a great spot. I think, you know, one of the things that we uh, did a really, I would like to say, did a really good job with uh, going through that period is we were able to, to make tough decisions and, and to move forward and to, to do the hard work that had to be done to put ourselves in a position to really succeed. And I think this is now a team that is battle-tested and battle-hardened. Uh, and it's a team that, that as I said, I, every time you bring it up, I'm going to just say thank you because I, I could not be more grateful. Let's look at ultimately where the consumer's at from your perspective because you have been able, able to take more of a cut for each car that you're shifting but consumers have bought a lot of second-hand vehicles. We are seeing a more competitive space. How do you outperform your competitors? So I think, you know, this is a big mature industry, right? Every year, roughly speaking, there's about 40 million used cars that are transacted in the U.S. And that's because there's 270 million cars out there driving around. And as a consumer, all of us, you know, we get tired of the car we're driving and we're interested in driving a new one. Uh, and so that, that pushes us to, to go do a swap. And I think what the entire automotive industry is all about is it's about finding those moments where one customer wants to switch into the next car and making it as simple as possible and as cost efficient as possible to get that car from one customer to the next. Uh, and I think that's what our whole business is designed to do. We've built an entirely new supply chain. We've built an entirely new transaction capability. It's supported by all this technology that we've built to weave it together so it's simple for a customer. Uh, and I think as long as we keep delivering that experience that gives them the best price, the best selection, the best experience, I think we're in a really good spot. We grew you know, from a, a seed of an idea in 2013 to where we are today uh, by doing that in a market that was relatively flat. Uh, I think today there are actually, you know, there there have been some tailwinds that have been nice, uh, and those tailwinds have been uh, you know, lowering car prices, which were very high for a several-year period that was tough for a lot of consumers and made it hard for them to switch into that next car they may have been excited about. 
So I think, you know, overall, our goal is just to keep executing, keep delivering great experiences and take market share. Uh, and we think secondarily the we think secondarily the market will uh, will do its thing. Market's going to do its thing. Carvana CEO, you do your thing on TV with us. We thank you so we much. Founder Ernie Garcia, we appreciate you being with us. We got some breaking news. Jamie Dimon, he's been letting go of some shares, $150 million worth of JP Morgan shares in what is a first sale, his family selling that amount of the bank stock. From New York, from San Francisco, that does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. Don't forget about the podcast. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.